Welcome to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here, as ever, with Howard Tybal. Howard. How are you, my man? I'm feeling feeling very strong. It's quarter feeling. after four here. It's quarter. I always wonder what the time of day it is for you, the two of us. Because you, you don't know where I am because I'm not in Boston. Now, I know exactly where you are, but again, we, we, we live in the... So I can call you, you know, I can send you an email at nine, and I know you're still sleeping. So it's, 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 it's actually... The, we could do a whole podcast probably about working across time zones. We could. There's, there's, I, there's I, advantages and disadvantages. I have a number of autoresponders for those that say, yes, Howard, I'm on it. Even though I'm sleeping, <laughs> it just automatically tells you that I'm still working even at four, three, four in the morning. You know what? I love that you reveal those <laughs> things to me. <laughs> We're going to be digging into, well, I think we're going to start with the four-room model in managing change, uh, and then we are going to get into so, so much more with a very special guest this week. But before we dig in, make sure to head over to tybalink.com to learn more about us and this show. Subscribe for free. Just click the blue button, and we will keep you updated with latest episodes. You can join the conversation on Twitter, follow at Howard Tybal or me at Pete Wright. And, of course, you can find Tybal Inc. on LinkedIn. I'm very excited about our guest today because uh, he is, is a man from my side, my side of the house, Santiago Toledo, Assistant Professor of Chemistry at St. Edward's University. Santiago, welcome to Navigating Change. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. This podcast comes as a result of a change workshop that you attended uh, that Howard delivered at St. Edward's. And we've had a number of administrators come on the show and talk about uh, their experiences from an administrative perspective. But uh, Santiago, I wonder if you could just open up with some of the insights and key learnings uh, that you took away from your experience in this session and how that has impacted you as a faculty member. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the one of the wonderful things about the workshop, I was I'm actually shaking. I don't know if you noticed that on me when we were talking, Howard, but I was actually shaking because sometimes when you have a, a huge amount of connections happening with experiences you've had in the past, all of a sudden your brain is just driving a million miles an hour. So, so many things were going through my mind in terms of like how applicable what you had mentioned was for faculty. And with a workshop like the one that you present that's titled Managing Change, Often it can be misleading and faculty may not be necessarily attracted to something like this because we might think that we are not necessarily managing anybody, right? So we're just faculty. <laughs> right. uh, I guess our students, to some extent, we manage our courses, we manage our students. So to me, it was about looking at it from the perspective of what, who am I managing, who am I working with, and how can I manage this idea of change? Um, the idea that you mentioned originally, the idea of skepticism and cynical, um, my entire career, which is a short career, I've only been teaching for seven years, I've always sort of started to believe that I am just a cynic, you know, so for, I'm, qu I'm constantly questioning things and wondering where the evidence is for, for, for making decisions and, and just be able to put those words into context and decide that maybe I am just a skeptic and this skepticism is actually sometimes considered healthy. It's I've a positive trait. Yeah, I've had mentors tell me that that's a positive thing. But in, in other contexts, sometimes you get to be seen as the person that's constantly obstructing things. And I, 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 I didn't want to believe that was the case for me. And I always questioned that throughout my career. But it was exciting for me to see a word like that being addressed or sort of this difference being addressed. You know, one of the, one of the things that ties directly to this conversation that you wrote about to both Pete and I, that I love, I'd love to hear you put it in your own words, but it was this idea that there's this, there's this quote, old model or historical model, a model that's been around for years about how we teach the lecture experience. And we all know that that is 
um, going through lots of changes and there's tools that allow to do it differently. But you, you uncovered, I think for yourself, and you share with me the dilemma that we're in as faculty members, as, as, as people who are imparting knowledge in terms of trying to make changes around that at the same time we're living in this in this world where there are those who are still holding on to that old model mm-hmm. uh, while at the same time we're trying to have the kind of impact uh, on our students and then how our students end up reacting to changing the model yeah and, and, and you said to me something so interesting you said you know what I do is I try to put my students in a pit and dig their way out. Could you, could you talk about, remember that conversation? We yeah, had? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. a powerful I, that's, that's visual metaphor. So, so first of all, I come from, I was very lucky, I think, as a faculty, because seven years ago, I think, at least maybe it was much much earlier or something, like, but to me, I think there was a wave and a push for change. So some institutions were getting hard-pressed for assessment, and then changes at the level of, uh, the scholarship of teaching and learning is coming out with very clear evidence for new models for, uh, for instructing and for guiding students into learning. So I was lucky enough to sort of capture that wave and kind of come in fresh to this idea to be able to adapt to those new ways very quickly. Um, I'm not necessarily somebody to just goes with the flow, but it was something that I came to a realization after my first year of teaching, my level of frustration was high. Nothing was happening in terms of learning for my students. I was being told by some faculty members to just get some PowerPoints together and just follow that along for the next several years. I don't know how many they implied, but to me, that sounded like a scary thought. Uh, Students not learning and me just sort of getting settled into something. So I was lucky enough, I guess, that I, I dove into the literature very quickly and I said, what are the best practices and how do I go about changing? So then what happened is that there's there's a group of faculty that are not wanting to move anywhere from where they are. And then there's a group of faculty that are new and willing to adapt and willing to change. And then you face the reality or the pragmatism of the whole idea that you are in a process of perhaps wanting to obtain tenure or keep your job. And you're sort of into the into the middle of this battle. But what you mentioned, Howard, in your in your workshop was the idea that it's not really about me, about the leader. In this case, if I am the leader of my students, it's more about the idea, right? So it's about the, the concept or the idea that we're trying to accomplish. And if it is that we're trying to teach our students to become self-directed learners and to be independent thinkers and to be able to then eventually get a job and then be successful, I realized that it didn't really matter to some extent what happened to me. If I was going to be a casualty of the war, I guess, if my students were getting to a better place, I was going to be much happier and I guess I would, I would feel more um, consistent with who I am, that I was doing the best that I could to get my students to where they needed to be. So this, mention that you, this, this idea that you mentioned about the pit, about students being inside of a pit, I, I think it, it's important that students realize that learning is not something that just comes immediately to them and it's an, it's an automatic positive thing. Learning is a challenging thing. Learning is a difficult thing. And students must dive into this process that's an unknown. It's very uncomfortable. It often feels like it's not really quite working for you. And then slowly with the guidance of instructors or the guidance of their peers, they can kind of start coming out and cleaning out from this mess and finding better ways to sort of come out on the other side side with some learning. The discussions in the workshop, it wasn't so much the workshop, but the discussions and the insights that you brought, because you really brought yourself to the conversation. I can tell you, I've I've done this workshop for hundreds, maybe thousands of people, and 
people take away what they put into it, and you solely put your, so put yourself into it. But one of the things that you said to me was, what you're going to ask your students to do, knowing that they rebel against this idea of not all of them, but being asked to go into a pit and pull themselves out, as opposed to here are the slides, here is what you have to study so that you can do well on the test, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're asking, what you're asking to ask them to do is, is give you some time, right? So give me three months mm-hmm. and then let's step back and look together if this model works, right? That, that the yes. students themselves are going through the contentment to denial and they need to work themselves out of it to see that maybe this, this approach you're taking is a valid approach that's going to help them. What I realize is that we are managing our students through a process of change. And that's because the majority of the classes or the education that the students have received follows a traditional model of the top-down approach. I mean, hopefully, and I think that is changing more and more, but that's what I, at least my experience has been, that these students see it as the instructor gives me this information and, and, and that's it. You know, they don't necessarily participate in the learning process. Since I'm more leaning towards the idea of the constructivist approach, the idea of students developing their own understanding, I think they're facing this really big challenge of like, you're putting something in front of me that doesn't feel right, that's not what I'm used to, and yet I'm supposed to sort of come out with a grade at the end of this whole semester. So that's a very uncomfortable place for students to be. And they would like to be in the contentment room. But then very quickly, they move into denial. Number two, they, they, they say, forget about this. You know, so the rebelling starts in my earlier time in, uh, years in teaching. I had students going immediately to the provost office and starting to talk about this idea of active learning doesn't work. Or we don't know what this is about. I'm not learning anything, et cetera, et cetera. So very quickly, students get agitated by the, the, the idea of a change, of a change that's happened. And what I, what I think is powerful about this four-room um, way of describing change is that I think I can better now, I can communicate with my students much better the idea of where they are and help them identify which room they're located in. And maybe my energy can be focused on facilitating them transition from room to room, understanding that there can be a back and forth process, but I can be better at identifying this and saying, how can we move you slowly towards maybe confusion and ideally towards renewal yes. by the end of this process of engaging in this in this new pedagogy. And I think what you mentioned as far as the timeline goes is that you also mentioned that whenever you implement change, you always tell your people that you're supervising that they need to come back to you after having attempted it. So what I'm asking my students now is to say, I want you to give it the best shot possible. Follow the schemes, follow the course design that I put in place for you. Do the best that you can with that, and then let's talk at the end of that process. How are they? How are they responding to that? Because I we oh. haven't talked since the workshop. Yeah, so I did it immediately after the workshop. He came back, and it was coincidentally timed with a good unit exam. And I came back and talked to my students about it. And I said, like, hey guys, you, this is feeling. There's a lot of pulling teeth here. Like it's feeling like we're in confrontation. So I drew a line on the board, and I said, look, the model that you guys think we have. is that you're on this side of the line and I'm on this side of the line. And I said, you know what's happening? It shouldn't be that way. I am on this side of the line with you. I am here to help you move towards a goal, not on opposite sides. So I want you to please give it a shot and stop being cynics and become skeptics about the model. Give it a shot. Do the best that you can. So the conversations, uh, I I couldn't tell you that that solved my problems in anything, but I think it, it 
made students think. I mean, I had students come to me and talk to me in my office a little bit different about like, hey, now that you tell me about this, could you explain this from scratch? You know, some students that had been completely asleep about this whole idea of the new model came at least to talk to me and trying to find out some more information about it. So I did see an uptick in terms of that. There's something so I, 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 I'm sitting here, not sitting, I'm jumping up and down uh, <laughs> in, in violent agreement. I, the, the thing that strikes me that I find so interesting about this and and, uh, you know, I, too, have not been teaching that long, uh, more than a decade, but certainly not, you know, three. And uh, uh, one of the things that I have noticed is I, my hunch is we've done this to ourselves. And I say we as faculty members, you know, our, mm-hmm. our students are coming into the classroom today with more of a consumerist uh, entitlement approach to their education, yeah. Right. They, they come into the classroom because they have been largely recruited in some way, shape, or form, right? We mm-hmm. need them there. We have to have them there in order to make things right for us as an institution, <laughs> uh, it, you know. And so we have gotten more aggressive about recruiting them, more aggressive about discounts, more aggressive, aggressive, aggressive about getting their butts in the seats. And when they finally get their butts in the seats, there is a sense that they expect the learning to be as easy as the uh, attendance. Exactly. And they have exactly. forgotten something cultural. I think that the expectation of education is hard. That that once you get into the seat, it is hard to learn, and and you're asking something of yourself, of your brain, of your body, of your whole self, uh, to change something uh, something in yeah. your life, and and that's really hard to do. And and so I what I love about this approach is, um, you know, how you are helping your students to get to the other side of of that sort of. I, you know, I'll go yeah. back to another one of Howard model, right? the Valley of Despair, right? That I can't do this. This stinks. Why did I come here? Exactly. The Valley of Despair that they're in. And, and you know, one of the, we, we would like to throw our hands up and always complain about our students. But what my colleague and I uh, that have been developing this idea of uh, the new pedagogy that we have in place have been thinking about is saying, like, you know, it's our responsibility the kids are here. This is the, these are the cards that are dealt to us, if you yes. want to call them that way. You know, we have to work with this, and we have to work with this painful process that they're going. So it's about compassion almost to them to say, "I understand how horrible it feels that we're in, we're putting this in front of you, but let's try to do this together." And I think right. that the words that I got from the workshop, you know, these ideas are helping me navigate that a little bit better. Yeah, that's that's a big deal because I, you know, it's it's not just the fact that they're not that they're not meeting expectations. Uh, you know, their expectation is that it's going to be as easy as it was to enroll, but it's the fact that they're dealing with a really fundamental sort of, you know, earth shattering shock that they yeah. have to get to the other side of that creating that, new knowledge. Yes, I mean, that's I, really difficult, yeah. yes. really, really difficult. You know, and what I can't tell entirely is whether or not there was a unique set of faculty members that showed up at this workshop because I was struck by a bias that I've had thinking that, as you said before, Santiago, that that faculty would not necessarily understand how this would be relevant to them. Mm-hmm. And, and what I'm inspired by in talking with you is that I have gravitated this workshop and even the concepts behind it to those who are, although I've done it with deans before, but much of the work that we have done over the years is with administrators. And what you have inspired me to think or challenged me to think is that there isn't necessarily this line or this or this barrier 
between these concepts and faculty. I think the challenge for me, to be honest, is to find the right language that then would appeal. You know, I wonder how many other faculty members, if it was if it was framed in a way in terms of what this was, would have said, you know, maybe this is something that I'd be interested in. Because in some ways, managing change, you made a really interesting point before. We, I, I don't necessarily have control over any of these people. Uh, you know, I'm not managing uh, the way that it comes off maybe uh, a manager uh, manages staff. When in fact, right. I think you have you have sort of opened me to thinking this is much less about the managing in terms of delegation and much more about how we think about helping ourselves and others through change and yeah the way i think uh, the way i think about it is like guiding guiding our students to this change you know like because i think people may be turned off by the idea of managing our students that's not necessarily my my goal my goal is that they become independent but like guiding them in this process how are you bringing some of this conversation back to your to your own faculty that you that you have uh you know daily connections with or you meet with through through your departments and so on is this this is a conversation that you're opening up with them? Uh, I'm fortunate enough at this new institution as I moved to St. Edwards this year. This is my first year here. Um, I'm I'm working under the leadership of uh, Tricia Shepard and she actually attended your workshop and was the person that recommended it to me. I think that because we both have this language now in place, I think we're able to have conversations with the rest of our department about, about managing the change that's ongoing at the university and changes that are happening as a result of her being a new chair in the department as well. So we are all in the mess in the denial room we're going back and forth between that and the other. I mean, for me, I'm lucky again. I came in hired with a particular mindset, but I think for the rest of the faculty, it's important to for us to use this language. So it's, it's been significantly more helpful. I wish this language was was something that I could use or I, I could guide new faculty. So we're talking about mentoring programs for new faculty. I think new faculty need to be hearing this consistently because there's a lot of fear associated with starting a new job and starting a tenure track position, for example, because because you're, you're in this position where you kind of depend on, partially depend on what students are saying about you as an instructor. And if you're following best practices, you're going to be going with things that are different than the tradition. Right. So you're facing this conflict of like, what do I do? And and, well. and hopefully you're, if you're working with the administrators at the level of administrators and they have this language, and then if you're able to work with faculty and they then have this language, then the conversation hopefully will be a lot smoother and there'll be more tolerance for the challenges that a new faculty faces when they're well, trying to implement new pedagogies. You know, And this is what, this is what I was struck by with you is that I am certain there are many faculty that have these ideas about I'm willing to challenge uh, status quo. What you what you did in talking with me afterwards and being on this podcast is you're you're bringing language to something that is a demonstration for me of courage and selflessness because you're fundamentally saying that you're willing to put at risk. Uh, because of students' discomfort, getting great evaluations as a professor, which could impact your it, your tenure track. I mean, it, it, and I'm, and I'm yes or no. I'm not even quite sure if that's true or not. But the point is, if I was in your shoes, I could imagine that tension of saying, "How much am I willing to push?" Knowing that students' evaluations play a role in in how 
I'm seen by my own institution. And and what I what I give you so much credit for is the willingness to be selfless in this conversation. People told me to my face that if I didn't stay with a regular model of teaching, I was not going to obtain tenure. I mean, it was but, those but, kind but of conversations. Unbelievable. I mean, I, it's not. It, frankly, it's not unbelievable. It's incredibly depressing to me. But I've heard the same thing, and it's yeah. it is it is very much why uh, why uh, you know it, so many really talented um, uh, you know instructors do not take the 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 road toward tenure and professorship. It, it's interesting, and then and then you get to a point that you say if you've given in long enough you might be let's say seven years and you get into your seventh year after you've gotten your tenure you might not be any more in the mood i guess to change and to innovate right? right if you've already tried to stick to what you're supposed to and then you might not be in the right mind frame if you've kind of adopted and succeeded quote unquote in that level so and and when you said those words to me, Howard, when you started talking about this, to me, put into context my experience, it meant like, you know, I think I was being courageous. And I think when I took that stand and when I continued doing the things that I was doing and try to do things right, of course, being pragmatic as well and recognizing that I was going a process of growth as an instructor and things were successful in the end, to me, it was, it was about putting the benefit, like you said, the benefit of the student's upfront and saying, if I get fired as a result of me trying to do my best, it was going to happen, you know? And I, I felt like it was kind of liberating when I realized that when I was going through the process, but having this kind of language and being able to communicate with other people about what I was going through would have been really, really helpful. The idea that, you know, it's, it's not about the leader, it's about the, the, the end goal. And the end goal was to teach my students effectively, you know, in whatever way I could. Well, it, you know, we ask our students so much to take responsibility for their own learning. And, and until you have an instructor, like as, as you, you know, as you're describing your own experience, Santiago, uh, w- when you have an instructor that is able to take responsibility for their own teaching to say, hey, we've been handed, uh, as you say, we've been handed the, these cards. We've been handed students that come in with an expectation for how they're going to learn. And that's not just the consumer expectation I talked about earlier, but it's also the expectation that coming out of our, our you know, our high schools and they are yeah. taught to expect to be taught to the test right that's how education looks right now uh, but to take responsibility for that and say you know we we can change this even if it's just in my chemistry class i can change this that's what i'm hearing for you and that from you and that's what that is yeah. what's really uh, rewarding to hear as a fellow faculty member you know and i'll and i'll say something as we as we begin to wrap this up the thing that I'm struck by Santiago. That's so important to me that I, I hope I don't care what role you are as you listen to this. I don't care what industry you're in. That that what you're talking about is when you know something is the right thing to do. That that there's an opportunity to step back from your fear. There's an opportunity to step back from what you know. How could this affect me in a negative way? And to do for you what is the right thing, and. And and for me, you are a demonstration of being willing to put yourself in that mindset. And I and what I fundamentally believe is because you do this, you are serving your students even more. I think for anybody listening to this, they have to say, is, you know, am I willing to put myself on the line and ultimately not back off because I'm not seeing I'm not seeing success yet. I mean this is gonna yeah. this this is going to take yeah. some time. Yes. And and, and building and bringing people around you yeah. uh, to actually be advocates 
uh, and, and, and in a sense, you being a role model for others that this is the way, this is the way to teach and this is the way to, to, to lead this conversation. Yeah, and I think it goes back, it cycles back around to the idea of being a skeptic, right? I mean, if you're a skeptic of your own work, like every year that I go through this process of still innovating, I still have to be skeptic of my own inputs, right? Whatever I did this semester, I need to be questioning and saying, did this work? Is this something useful? The ultimate thing is that we're in a process, right? So faculty members recognize that we come out of a PhD without zero, with zero training on pedagogy. And then we have to go through these steps little by little to actually manage to become better instructors, better facilitators right, for our students. Right. But just be patient with ourselves and skeptic at the same time and hopefully keep that optimism going because we have, whenever we get those first few evaluations, it's horrible, right? I mean, you get slapped on the face with something that doesn't feel quite right. But right. you must remain optimistic. And then you must remain skeptic because we don't have the final word. I'm on seven years and I definitely don't have the final word. I'm sure there's people teaching 50 years and still feel like they don't have the final word. But it's kind of a beauty of the growth process that we're also undergoing. And communicating that to our students and to administrators and letting them know that we kind of have to be patient with this process. And it's just a process. We're in the valley of despair for a while and it's just about coming out of there somehow you know finding uh, some light <laughs> i love that it's, it's so beautiful. much it's one of those things that we don't think about very often and particularly when you you know as a new faculty member when you come out of your phd program you are generally accustomed to being successful right you get you yeah. you, you get good marks and great comments and your research yeah. is strong and you feel like you're on top of your game and then you realize you get into a classroom and you're in front of the classroom and the environment's the same the classroom looks very familiar why <laughs> do i suck at this yes, it's yes. not right there is a whole cultural yes. conflict at there that is just yeah. i'm so glad to hear you reflect on that yeah, but I think to <laughs> catalyze to catalyze this long lasting change in faculty new faculty and faculty that are willing to start thinking about changing we have to give people this type of language to be able to feel comfortable with saying it's okay yeah. i am i'm going through a process of change and it doesn't feel right and my students don't feel right i, I hopefully i think that if people listen to this and if people listen to you howard at some point New faculty and faculty going through this process can start feeling at least a little bit of comfort and realizing that there's there's help, that things will happen. And if they remain optimistic about this whole process, you know, I think things will get better. I am so inspired by you, Santiago. Uh, and it reinforces for me how important it is that we find language to uncover where we really are versus where we want to be. Right, and what you have what you have done for me is you have showed me that this is a relevant conversation for anybody truly interested in immersing themselves in how do I have better impact? How do I really make the changes I want to make? So I'm just so excited to have met you, and I'm so excited to to follow your career uh, because I think that you you're going to have tremendous impact. Uh, given where you are in your cycle of uh, of being a faculty member, thank you, Howard. Hey, uh, Santiago. So as we wrap up, where would you uh, where would you send people? Do you do you have a page of your own work, your own research up at, at St. Edwards, or is this uh, still kind of a new thing? Would you would you send people any place to learn more about you? 
about me, uh, I don't have a lot necessarily about me as an as an individual. Uh, some of the research that I'm doing with pedagogical train with a, with my pedagogy in my classroom recently got published in the Journal of Chemical Education. Uh, it's an article on the on the sort of framework that I've used in my classroom. But the ideas that we've discussed here, uh, not necessarily anywhere. Um, I don't have any specific place where people can go. But me and me and my colleague are developing quite a bit of work in terms of this uh, new approach to. Um, helping students become self-directed um, so oh, there's some I'll, information there yeah, yeah. i'll That's, take it uh, let's you, take that. you send uh, send me a link and we will put that up in the show notes for this thank very you. episode that is that'd be great, great. Pete. really yes. appreciate that santiago toledo thank you so much again also for representing uh and i'll say this of the whole institution friend of the show saint edward's uh, university we sure appreciate you taking the time to uh, to join us today and share your uh, inspirational approach to your students. My pleasure. Grateful for this time once again with you. On behalf of Howard Teibel, thank you so much. I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Teibel, Inc.